This is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Are rolling on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com with Seahawks rookie defensive lineman Mike Morris. And we can say that, D-lineman, not D-N, right? We're going D-lineman. Yeah, we're going D-lineman. Can I call you Lil Mike? Because I'm Mike, you're Mike, you're only a foot taller than me. Uh, my family usually calling me Lil Mike. That's right. Everyone, like my friends and stuff like that, they call me Big Mike and uh, Mike Mo, Money Mike. It's just, it's never Lil Mike, though. Your dad, your Mike. dad's Big Mike, though. Nah, my dad's Lil now he's little, little now. He's little now. He little Mike now. <laughs> yeah, he little Mike. Your dad was an offensive lineman. Yeah, he was like left guard or right guard at Florida State. Okay. And so growing up, did you gravitate towards D line because of that? Were you just uh, a lineman? Just bit? how did that work? Not really. I just played all over the place in uh, in little league. I played middle linebacker, and like they would line me up over the center. As soon as I hiked the ball, I just run down the center's face and get a sack. <laughs> So that's what I did in Little League. And then, like, high school is when I really got back into football seriously. That's when I started playing, like, interior, the end. I played all over the place, and I played tight end. And then when I got to college, it was strictly the end. And then it was outside linebacker, and then now I'm right back where I started. So. I was listening to you after you were here for the first time for rookie minicamp and kind of talking through what it was like gaining some weight, which I know the Seahawks asked you to do in order to, to be drafted here, and you kind of talked through that process. But Moore and I were saying that one thing that stood out to us is you saying, look, that's the job. That's what they wanted me to do. That's what my teammates need. That's part of my, my job. How, where does that mentality or philosophy come from? Uh, University of Michigan, Big Blue. Coach Benjamin Herbert and uh, Coach Harbaugh, you know, they preach um, selflessness. So um, it's not about yourself. It's not about you. It's about the team. And your goals will all come, all be accomplished with the team's goals. So put the team's goals first. That's when the Super Bowl and uh, all of the goals will accomplish. So weight is not really a big issue. I can always lose it after I'm done playing football. So it's not really a big deal. Uh, just uh, my team needs me to do it. So the coaches need me to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I'm going to embrace it wholeheartedly, not really flinch or whine or moan. That's one of our team rules. No whining, no complaining. So I'm not really finna complain about gaining some weight so my team can be better. I mean, I got to tell you, gaining weight, it seems like there could be worse things in the world to have to do, right? Yeah. So when they say gain weight, I, I don't mean to focus so much on this because uh-huh. I, I almost feel like it makes you a little uncomfortable talking about mm-hmm. this, but is it? does it have to be quote-unquote good weight? Can it be some good weight, some I eat too many Big Macs weight? Like, what does that look like? Uh, it all depends on how you feel for real. So, like, there are some days where I eat a little bit too much and I feel fat and I'm like, Oh, I wish I was 260 again. But like, you know, um, uh, but you know, that's a that's the cost of doing business. So, um, but really, it's just like a little bit on the heavy side. So after so after this, I'm gonna definitely go back to school, back to Michigan, and uh, definitely like get my muscles back a little bit so I can be stronger in there. But uh, right now, I'm feeling really good. When you say after this, you mean after camp? After, after like, rookie mini camp, after yeah. uh, vet mini camp and all that other stuff. After we're done, we're going on our five weeks, we'll go back to Michigan, get right with my coach, and uh, get to work. Do you have a significant other around who uh, has to see you gain weight? Like, is that an issue in your uh, life? No, my girlfriend, Brooke, no, she's really supportive of okay, all of it. So, I mean, I'm not really fat. Like, if I take off my shirt, like, you can see the former six-pack <laughs> that used to be there. So, um you look yeah. like you could add 20 more pounds. Yeah, if you needed to. so like I, right now I'm like, I weighed in like 296 the other day. And like, 
I look in the mirror, I'm like, bro, I don't, I'm not fat. So, like, it's not really a big deal. So, I feel like I put on a lot of muscle and all that. I feel like I could easily be, like, 310 ripped. So, I'm really excited for where my body can go. I'm talking to Mike Morris here on Seattle Sports. Have you met Mike Bennett yet? Uh, yeah, I met him. He actually did a tweet about me. Uh, when I got drafted, and I saw him in a lot in, the, um, in um, the equipment room the other day, uh, I got to just talk to him for a little bit. Nothing really crazy. Asked him any, any serious questions, but just got to say hi, say what's up, and then I had to get to meetings. I was. You kind of remind me a little bit of him. Not necessarily on the field. I think he may play a little slightly different position, but just the ease, talking to the media, talking to people, mm-hmm. sense of humor. Has that always just been something that comes naturally to you? Uh, no, this is just me being me. You know, um, I've always been. Wanted to be in the media, wanted to put my face in front of everything. So that's all I wanted to do. I was always the kid who uh, took his T-shirt off and started waving it around on the table when I was a baby. So that was always me. I was going to be energetic. But um, actually, I did. Uh, so Coach Hurt, he definitely wants me to emulate Mike Bennett. Yeah, he I can... always talks about it. Really? What is it? What, in which ways? Just uh, how he approached the game, like how he knew what he was doing and knew what the outside linebackers were doing so it can make him have a better job. I was talking to Jaron Reed uh, after practice last week and just asked him about some of the rookies and asked him about you specifically. What do you think he said about you? I hope he said good stuff. You uh, know what he did? He did, yeah. He I said, I just really like that guy. He listens and he seems like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, because I just always want to be a good rookie. I always want to just learn and uh, definitely don't want to be that guy that's kind of doing too much and talking too much and not not listening before speaking. So I always just want to just keep my mouth closed, ears open every time he speaks a word, every time him Every time any of the vets, Miles, uh, Draymond, every time they speak, I just want to shut up and just like, okay, what are you saying? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do? All right, I don't want to be great. All right, let's do it. What have, give me one thing you've learned from them so far. Um, just how they approach the game. Everything's just so violent. Everything is so, um, it's different. Because in college, like, for me, college and high school are very similar where I could, like, outpower anybody who I went against. While now here, it's like, can't really do that as much so I need to strike a little bit harder to be more aggressive and that's something that I'm learning and gradually building understanding that I need to approach the game where I need to really put a hole in someone's chest every single play we could talk about Olu for a minute I know obviously you got to know him well last year you seem pretty excited talking about him a couple of weeks ago you think he could win the center job Man, I love Olu. I'm not really talking about this, the comp- competition aspect. I know uh, everyone's going to compete, and uh, coach is going to pick the right guy. To, right right, guy. So, so let's forget the competition. Yeah. Let me go back to I love Olu. Yeah. Why? Uh, man, Olu's a great dude. Like, it just tells you right now, like, we literally voted for him to be a captain when he just got there in January. So he's not even there for a full year, and he was one of the team. He was like a team captain. So that just tells you who, exactly who he is. He's definitely... Uh, my brother, someone that I like to spend time with, help here. Definitely someone who's like, Olu, come to the room, let's chill, let's hang out. I just want to be around him because uh, I see myself in him. We're very similar family-wise and personality-wise. So I just love every part of him. It just happens that he's a be, he's an amazing football player. So that just it makes it even more interactive. Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, I know you've been asked about it before, but, I mean, they, you can't help but ask the question. I mean, I was talking to Jaron last week, I think I told you, and realizing that guy played for Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and Andy Reid. I mean, like, just being able to check some of those names off that list, you can learn a lot of different things from three guys with very different styles. How, how do you view going from Jim Harbaugh to Pete Carroll, two guys who are titans in their own in their own fields? Um, they definitely take... It's just uh, the same approach. Honestly, the same approach in terms of football. Like, they love football. They want to compete in every aspect of the word. Both great 
competitors. Um, I think they're very, very similar. Only thing that's probably different is uh, I, don't just, I don't know because Coach Harbaugh, everyone that has like different opinions on Coach Harbaugh, and um, just me these past two years that I last couple years I've been with him, last two years have been totally different. Where he's a lot more interactive, just a lot more like player friendly. So I think right now they are very him and Coach Carroll are very, very similar. Very, very similar. Well, it's fun. It's fun getting to know you. It's fun getting to, to see you here. Congratulations on getting drafted. Good luck out here, and uh, we'll look forward to talking again. Go Hawks. Go Hawks is right. How about that? That's uh, Mike Morse. Do you like Mike Morse more? Did you tweet out the picture? I did. All right. So I, you can I, see the size. There's one where he was um, smiling to... and looking because someone said he doesn't look happy with you. There's another one where he was smiling more, but I wanted them to see the size difference because I'm sorry. He dwarfed I, you. I, 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 I'm trying to find it on Twitter. Something happened where some Eagles Nation thing tweeted about our uh, conversation about Russell Wilson and the Eagles the other day with Greg Bishop. And it's been like like a thousand times in the last like fifteen minutes. So trying to get that, they've got like you know one hundred forty five thousand crazy Eagles fans or whatever. So anyway, he was a big dude, and I'm glad to hear that his uh, glad to hear that his uh, girlfriend is okay with the fact that he's put on a couple of pounds because he says he still looks pretty good. I thought yes, he he does not for being big. He does he looks lean still. He does. Um, you could I add twenty the pounds. Most- relatable part of that whole thing and it seemed so genuine was when you were like I talked to Jaron Reed about you do you know what he said and he goes I hope he said good things <laughs> he <laughs> like, just reminded you, me it's so not often you can relate that. to just like such an athletic right. freak football player but I think everyone has like started a new job and been like I don't know I hope they said good I, things I hope they me. like me I knew here <laughs> I mean geez I hope I fit in tell you what he seems like he sure has a nice personality for it and I'll be rooting for him to make it just because of that he'll somebody I'm guessing will have some interesting stuff to say over the next few years if he ends up being a relevant part of what they're doing all right uh, G Scott's in the building wearing a very bright shirt we'll talk to G coming up in 20 minutes right after every you need to know with some awesome sound from Pete Carroll, Ron Francis, Jerry DePoto, and others. Don't go anywhere. It's next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Fun day over at Seahawks practice yesterday, and we'll talk through a little bit with G. Scott here in about 15 minutes as he'll step in. But, yeah, it was interesting to hear Pete Carroll speak afterwards, and the guy that stands out most in these practices for me has been Geno Smith. When he's in there, the ball is out quick, everything moves. When he comes out, everything seems to stall, and Pete's noticed. Yeah, yeah, he, he has been a, a really positive influence on the other guys. He's been he's so determined, and he, I mean, he's he's got he's got his eye on uh, on the ball the whole way now, and, and uh, he's been so consistent and available, and, and the messaging is so solid. It's like you know, you, you, everybody needs to come along with him. He's going, you know, and and. Uh, it's just been such a remarkable thing to watch, you know, the way he's taken over and the, the opportunity and how he commanded so well last year. And, and he has handled the the success and he's handled the Pro Bowl and the offseason and, and all the hype and all of that. He and, and how he's answered it is with great work. Yeah, he certainly has done that and work obviously is important, but also getting it right. And when you see him out there, he just seems to have so much more command of the offense, of throwing the ball, of all of it, of the of the locker room. It's nice to see, and I don't. I think it's certainly different from how it was a year ago. More on the newsy side of it. How about Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks? Pete says Jamal's going to be there next week at minicamp, and after that, we'll see. He, he sounds good. I talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, um, 
Mo Kelly went down and saw those guys uh, yesterday and visited with uh, uh, and Jordan, and uh, everything's moving along. It, it, I, we don't have time frames. We won't really know for oh, another good six weeks, eight weeks, or something like that. You know, see how far they've come. But um, they're both they're both they got their eyes set on you know getting back and getting ready to go for the season. So whether they can make it, we'll, we'll find out. It would certainly be nice if they can. The fact that we're not even going to know a timeline for six to eight weeks, though. I will say that makes me a little nervous. I mean, eight weeks is essentially the beginning of training camp. So, yeah, I would certainly like to have some more of a sense before they get to training camp of what that'll look like. But uh, good to see that uh, this team is out there and making progress and working. And uh, it was fun. It's been fun being out there and definitely looking forward to minicamp next week. Here's the second thing you need to know. Mariners get back to it tonight. A big, big road trip uh, starting in Texas, of course. They're six and a half games behind uh, the Rangers. They'll throw Luis Castillo against John Gray tonight. But you're also now two months in, which means it's time to start thinking about what these next two months look like. And that's where you start making deals. Jerry DePoto on the types of deals that they'll be considering. We'll again focus on players like that in the the available veteran crew. We won't I, I guess we won't turn our eyes from, you know, the, the expiring contracts, potential free agents. We're just unlikely to view that as the big get. Pouring it out for, for a short-term rental player doesn't make sense for us, just in, in terms of how we build our roster or philosophically. So think more like if it's big, it's going to be a player that's sustainable. If not, we'll try to do those, you know, those small, I, I guess, under the hood tra- type trades that are that wind up being a lot better than you think mm-hmm. and, and and adding but anything is open to us right now simply because we know what we want to do to get better we just have to find the right dance partner to do it well and he made that very clear what they want to do is add a bat they want at least one bat they would like to lengthen their lineup improve their offense they know that's what they need to do again that will help nothing would help more than Eugenio Suarez Julio Rodriguez Oscar Hernandez, all of those guys just being who they've been in the past. And if they can do that, I think this offense will improve greatly. Add another bat, and you're just making it even better than it is right now. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, speaking of looking for star players, the Kraken need to figure out how to go good to great. We asked Ron Francis about that last year, or uh, yesterday when he joined the show. said, hey, how do you go good to great? Do you need a star to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, you, you always like to add those guys if you can. They're not always readily available. You go back to the expansion. You know, teams get to protect their best seven forwards and their best three defenses. So usually those superstars are in that group that they're protecting. And the only way to really get those guys is, is to you know, draft and develop, and you know that's what we've tried to do on the amateur side in our drafts. It takes a little while for these kids to sort of mature and get to the point where they can step into the NHL and play. Uh, not everybody's a Matty Veneers that can you know can kind of do that uh, early, but um, we think we've got some good pieces coming in that regard. And but if there are moves that are out there that we feel make us better, we're certainly not going to hesitate to do that, whether that's trades or, or free agency or what have you here over the course of the summer. Yeah, I agree with that and and certainly would like to see them find a way to continue to add some sort of a big-time scoring presence. He said that could be certainly helpful on their power play. That's everything you need to know. Uh, We do that quarter past every hour. 
here on the Brock and Salk Show. One other cut I wanted to play you from uh, from Ron Francis. I just thought this was kind of interesting yesterday, right? We're talking about the young kids, and he said, nope, not at all an accident that Jordan Eberle's locker was placed right between Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright. Of course, that was uh, very much on purpose and wanted him to learn from a veteran. But I asked about that hard work thing we keep hearing about with Shane Wright. Like, every time they're asked about him, like, well, Shane's going to determine it himself. How hard does he want to work? So I said, all right. Why do you keep mentioning hard work and Shane Wright together? Well, we're trying to establish a culture here uh, with the Kraken. And and everything that we have preached from day one is you come in and you earn it. You know, a great example of that is Ty Cartier. We signed him as an unrestricted free agent, uh, didn't get drafted as a junior, went into Coachella and started on the fourth line. You know, he wasn't handed a top six position or a top line position or power play. He had to earn that stuff. And, you know, he went through the season, continued to get better. And then by the end of the season, he's playing games here in Seattle. And that's no different than the players we have here, the players we have in Coachella, the players that uh, we draft. I mean, that's the message we want to send to our people. You know, nothing will be handed to you. You're going to have to come in and earn it. And, um, you know, certainly that's the case with all our prospects. Nothing will be handed to you. You're going to have to come in and earn it. Shane Wright was the fourth overall pick. Is that right? Fourth overall pick in the draft last year. They had the third. I thought it was number four. Check it for me because I just I'm I'm curious about something. I think Shane Wright was the fourth overall pick in the draft last year. You're right. You know who else was the fourth overall pick in the draft? No. Ron Francis. Oh. A few years earlier like 1972 or something like that. But Ron Francis, fourth overall pick in the draft as a center. Shane Wright, fourth overall pick in the draft. It, 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 that doesn't seem like a, nah, maybe it's a little bit of a coincidence. All right, that's a coincidence. But if I'm, if I'm Ron <laughs> Francis, right, that's not a coincidence. Like, yes, that's a coincidence. Obviously is. But also I, I think that, you know, a guy who worked as hard as he did as a player to turn himself into such a great one, it's not like he was a you know twentieth round pick who who found a way. He was as talented as anybody, number four pick, but he knew how to work and how important it was, and not to have it handed to him. And he was around some of the best. I mean, when we start talking about do the Kraken need to find a, a premier player? Let's not forget that Ron Francis saw what life was like when he was in in Hartford and they didn't win anything, and then he saw what life was like playing with Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager and those stars in Pittsburgh. They won. It was a completely different thing. So I uh, I do believe that at some point they will add somebody who can be a big-time star when and if they can do it this offseason. We'll see. All right. Coming up next, uh, G is in the building. I, got, I saw him in an entirely new light yesterday, and uh, we'll discuss that and a whole lot more coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. How the people do get what they want today. G Scott's in the building. Ah, let's go. Let's go. Welcome back to the Brock and Salk Show, where Justin is never seen with Betsy, and Mara has to deal with you guys all the time. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you guys about this friend I got, right? This friend I got. Yeah. Oh, this friend is, it was telling me about their sleeping arrangements. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, this friend I got was telling me about the sleeping arrangement. It was telling me how, like, they don't share... He and his significant other don't share the same blanket. 
They don't share the same blank. They share, so hold, just so I understand. Yeah. They share a bedroom. They share a bedroom. Because I've heard of people, as they get older, like yeah. to, you know, go separate bedrooms, which right. to me, I, I at that point, I feel like you're, yeah. I couldn't do that. Think, separate beds? Se- think Flintstones. Flintstones, remember Fred, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know. Dick Van Dyke, same thing, right? right, right. In they the had 50s, the they have to show them on separate sides of the room. But they put them together. You well, feel me? Kind of. My and grandparents it, had that. My grandparents had like uh, like two twin beds pushed together, yeah. but each made up separately. Yeah, that seems totally normal. <laughs> I mean, it was for people of the greatest generation. I don't know whether it's still something that's it seems totally like a good thing to be. In, to be so uh, my so my question is, and I, look, I, I look, I know you guys come here for sports, but you guys know it's eight thirty on a Friday, and we very seldom talk sports. So I'm just making sure. Mm. Is that a normal thing? It doesn't that, sound normal to me. Is that happening more and more hmm. where it's like, look, baby, you got your blanket. I got my blanket. I got my pillow. You got your pillow. We still here. We sleeping together. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that there are people that have the same pillow, share the same large pillow? I mean, I mean, that's cool about the separate pillows. I get that. We all got separate pillows. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, is, is it becoming normal to have, like, separate blankets? It's almost like, I don't even know what kind of word they call it, but it's, it's like a separate bed pushed together. See, I would say that's <laughs> abnormal. Other than one thing, and maybe this is just because it's what's going on in my life, is the advent of these weighted blankets, which to me are the worst thing in the world. Like, the, the concept of putting a lot of weight on top of me while I'm trying to sleep <sighs> is... Is, is horrifying. Like, to me, that would be like, you know, being choked to Two, death or something. says not sharing blankets is normal. No, that's not <laughs> oh, normal. No, stop that's well, definitely me, not before, normal. Before we move on, let's check in with the most sane person on the show, Mara. Oh, it, I don't know if I deserve that title. <laughs> <laughs> is, is not sharing a blanket normal? No. I'm pretty sure if you polled, like, the U.S. population, more people would say they shared – more couples would say they shared a blanket than not. And or when shared you say a comforter, more, like, bed set. Like 75, 80, 90 percent? <laughs> 253 says, my wife and I have separate blankets. She loves her hot comforter, and I like my cool cotton quilt. I could totally understand if Heather wanted to have separate blankets. Why? Considering how hairy Mike's <laughs> are. <laughs> I mean, especially in the summertime. Now, maybe, maybe – maybe. In the winter, there might be some advantage. Advantages. Right. right. So maybe nice the separate blankets yeah. All right. increase. All right, Wait, the 360 says, I do landscape installation, and we just did neighboring houses owned by a husband and wife. The husband lived Whoa. in one and the wife in the other. Neighboring houses? Wow. Oh, that'd be pr- I mean, if you got the kind of cash, I mean, like that's, that's a little spendy for my taste, but all right. Mm. You know, you're making fun of me, but I was going to start off here by saying some nice things about you. I got the I opportunity so. yesterday. Yeah. I mentioned it to start the show this morning at 6 o'clock yeah. to attend KJ. Wright's event yesterday for his new foundation, the Right Way Foundation, which was awesome. And we'll talk about KJ here in a minute. But it's the first time, G, that I've gotten a chance to see you host an, or do your auctioneering thing. So I know you, when when did you first get your, your auction school thing done? Uh, like six years ago? No, almost 10 years ago. What? Bro. Yeah. Dude, we're getting old. Yeah. So it was about 10 years ago that you did it. And, yeah. you know, I go to auctions around the city at times, events, but for whatever reason, I've never been to one of yours. Yeah. I've seen Curly do it. Uh-huh. It's been a little while, but I've seen Curly do it. And it's, by the way, it's impressive. Yeah. John's really good at it. I mean, like, it, it's crazy. He is very energetic. It's crazy to watch. And I've really wanted to see 
Gee. Right. And so yesterday you were the auctioneer. You're dressed nice. Appreciate it. Special pin? Is that a, fa- a G Scott like family emblem it's or a something? It's, it's a, a G. Bro- it's a brooch. brooch. Yeah, yeah, it's a G on the brooch. It's just a G? Yeah. It's not something for your family. No. Okay. I, no. I figured there must be some sort of Scott family. Self centered and ego. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. G, first of all, can like do the whole fast speaking auctioneering thing. Like it sounds like he's got like, you know, a prized pig or something up there and he's trying to drive up the price for, you know, somebody's cow or I don't know, a pound of beef or whatever it is that auctioneers do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, bro. I, I, you know, yesterday, um, if you notice, I was the MC and auctioneer. Mm-hmm. So that's a little tougher because. I have to. You got two jobs. I got two jobs. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the room what's up, what's coming up next. Yeah. Right. Reading the auction items, getting the room, calling the room to attention, doing all that, setting the stage, introducing KJ, and then after all that, okay, here we go, auction item number one. I'm reading it off, and then I go into selling. I know the twenty five, now fifty, now seventy five, seventy five. I've been now one hundred on the corner. So I cue that. Yeah. And then I sell it. Got it. Sold it. Bang. Bye bye. <laughs> and then I go back. Okay, auction item number two. Right. Right, you need you need a moment or two to catch your breath. You know what I mean? You got the towel out yesterday. He was sort of like patting his head dry. You got the towel going and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was awesome. First of all, G does do a great job. So if you do need uh, an auction done for your charity or whatever. Time out. What? Time out. Am I not allowed to say that? Time out. If you listening, y'all heard it. Did y'all hear how Mike Salk just slapped me in the face? What? So check this out. He said he's going to start off giving me a compliment. Then he said, John Curley, really good. Oh, he is really good. And then he gets in. Oh, gee, you know, you did a nice job. Oh, I'm sorry. Fam, I didn't mean I didn't mean fam, to make it that way. No. You got to throw some sauce on my no, rice. No, 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 no. That's not. G did a fantastic. I just said that. You did a fantastic job. You were awesome. I, lo- I loved how you could go speed. I just say I gave you specifics. Mm-hmm. He was bragging about you to us this morning. As well. I, I don't, no, no, it's I'm like, not trying to like, take anything away. It's you like awesome. It's like being with your significant other. Yeah, you guys are getting ready to go out, and you're like, "Oh, hey, babe, you look nice." And then you would, then you guys are out, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" I don't you mean see, it that way. Oh my goodness! I'm you sorry if it came out that way. I'm. So, I apologize if it came out that way. I mean. I I didn't mean it that way. I love you, bro. I think you were fantastic. It was awesome to say. I was just about to say, if people need an auctioneer, Mm -hmm. get in touch with G. He does an awesome job for these Now, let me compliment you on what you did last night. Me? Yeah. First of all, real quick, just so you guys know, Mike Salk put down his good credit card. Mm. Now, everybody in your wallet right now, you got that good credit card and you got that uh, credit card, right? But when you pull out that good credit card, Mike Salk pulled out his good credit card. That means he was ready to give. But that wasn't the highlight of the night. You guys would be proud more. Oh my goodness, you would be proud. Guess what he did? I don't know if he told y'all this. I don't know if he told it on the show. But Mike Salk went up to Doug Baldwin, and you can explain from here. Mike, go I, ahead. I wasn't necessarily going to tell the story Yeah, he today. told us off air, but I didn't know if yeah. he was going to share. It's well, I, I don't know what's going to come of this, but I, I, I'll i happily tell the story. Yeah, yeah. so uh, there were some, it was KJ's event, mm-hmm. and KJ really does bring out an oh. unbelievable mm. crowd. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It was powerful. Yeah. John Schneider and his lovely wife, Tracy, 
Pete Carroll was there. Jermaine Curse was there. President Chuck Arnold. Yeah, president of the of the Seahawks. Chuck Arnold was there. Mm-hmm. There were some some heavy hitters in the you know community that we know. Yeah. Uh, our friend Lainey, who owns uh, Ascend, was there yeah. with her fiance. Shout out to them. Uh, there were some great people. Jim Mueller was there. Shout out to Jim Mueller. Jim Mueller was there showing love, Jim. I'm she telling was. You. Hey, Jim Mueller was in the building. NASA. Our friend NASA was there. Works with Seahawks. It was a, it was a great crowd. Mm. And KJ looked. His da- I met KJ's wife, who I'd not met before. Lovely, yeah. really enjoyed her. KJ's mom was there. Mom, mom, beautiful mom, Duke. Everything. KJ's first class all yeah, the way. For sure. Fantastic night. Mm. And Doug Baldwin was there. Mm. Now, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, mm-hmm. you know that Doug and I have uh, not always seen eye to eye. He went on what was then Bob Gros and Tom and. Made a comment about the know-it-all and the quarterback and how he didn't like us and wasn't going to come on the show. And I've said some things about Doug over the years. In any event, I think I've said this to you, G. I know I've said it to KJ. I've said it to a few folks. I said, you know what? After what happened the last year with Russ, I was wrong. I owe Doug an apology. Right. He got this right off the bat, and I didn't. So, you know, I would do it on the air. I'm happy. If Doug wanted to come in, I would be happy to do it on the air. But it doesn't need to be done on the air, right. which is why I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up. Because for me, it was more like it wasn't about like the the it wasn't about the the production of it all. It was just I owe an apology. Mm-hmm. I said things about him and the way he handled his business with Russ that in retrospect weren't accurate. Right. And, I, you know, I've had an enlightening Mm-hmm. When it comes to that. So I, I walked over to Doug. Mm-hmm. I said, Doug Baldwin. And he looked at me and I said, I owe you an apology. You guys saw eye to eye. But go ahead. I know. Yeah. He's like the only guy around. It's actually my height. Yeah. It's perfect. It's like, oh, here's an athlete. It's my I'm height. Gonna, this is perfect. I'm going to take shots at Doug <laughs> anytime I get. But go ahead. Well, he looked at me kind of funny and he said, why? I said, because you were right and I was wrong. No, no, no. You wait. Hold on. Hold, hold, hold. You bypass something. You got, You went to the why. Tell us exactly how you apologize. Did you say, I'm sorry? Or did you say, I'm sorry? Uh, or did you say, uh, I question. apologize? I started by saying, I owe you an apology. Okay. And he said, for what? And mm-hmm. I said, for, uh, you know, you were right and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And right when that happened, somebody else came over to meet Doug, which happens, I'm sure, constantly when you're Doug Baldwin at a party like that. Mm-hmm. And Doug talked to him very nicely for a moment or two while I kind of waited. Yeah. And then he said, hey, excuse me, I, I got to go talk to this guy for uh, for a moment or two. And uh, we, we have something we need to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So Doug comes back over. He was saying that to the other guy. So he comes back to me. He says, Let's sit down for a minute. Where are you sitting? Right over here. Oh, wow. Sits down with you. So Doug and I sit down together, and he says, all right, explain. I said, I'm sorry. I owe you an apology. You were right. I was wrong. Mm. He said, about what? I said, well, really, about everything. (laughs) What do you mean about what? You were right. I was wrong. You got it 10 years before I did. Mm. Took me a while. Eventually, I see it. You were right. I was wrong. And so we talked for a few minutes. Not a very nice conversation. And by the way, he was very, uh, very supportive. I think this I don't think he'd be upset about me saying that he was said some nice things about what he thinks is in store for Russ this year and and thinks that Russ may have a very good season this year in Denver. Mm -hmm. So it was good. I and said he wished Russ the best. And I thought was honestly, it was a great conversation. And I, I, th- uh, I felt good about it. I think this is a beautiful thing. First of all, I'm proud of you, Mike Salk. And but I, I said for a while that, that I would yeah. be willing to apologize because yeah. I was no, no, wrong. No, no, no. But, but you know, I'm, I'm going to let you get some practice. Yeah, all right. On Who else air. do I have to apologize to? Uh, me. Why? Uh, 
Oh, don't, don't start. Why do I have to when apologize I, to when you? I, because when I used to be in sports radio. Oh, my gosh. And then, oh, come on. Literally, I would say the same things that Doug would say. Oh, no, 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 no. You need you, no, 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 no. I want my apology, but I, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm apologizing for the things I said about him. I didn't say anything mean about you. Not, I just disagreed with you. Oh, please. Oh. I just disagree with you. I don't apologize for disagreeing. Is it fair? I apologize for saying things about him and putting him in a different camp of of being the person who was Can, screwing up the Seahawks. Is it possible for you to apologize to me? At all? I have done so in the past. No, you never have. False. I'm not going to bring it up. I, I drove to, to your, your house. house. Yeah, you did. You know yeah, what? You did. Yeah, you You're did. so full of it. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah, the yeah. most full of it person <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. I drove That's an hour out of my way real. to your house. He did. He did. And by the way, he drove during COVID. In the Dude. smack in the middle. It was like May, COVID, sat in the backyard. Mike Salk did drive I down to me. to you freaking did. Tacoma. You did. To apologize to you. Yeah, you, you know did. what? Yeah. You are the worst. The you things, the things you say about me without even considering the reality. No, if you guys shared a bed, you'd be using different blankets. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, wait. By the way, Justin got quite a bit of support on the text line. We may need to take it to Twitter with a poll. That's ridiculous. He, he, he really did. Yeah, I see us. Just saying. Wait. For his wait, take on that. No, wait, what did, you, what did you mean Justin got support? Justin thought it was normal. He disagreed with us on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, Justin thought it was normal. Anyway, cool. uh, very cool night last night. Yes, I did talk to Doug. I don't, you know, we, we can talk more about that later. I wasn't necessarily going to make it public. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind making it public, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I just, the only reason I didn't want to make it public is because I didn't want it to seem or get back to Doug that I was saying it yeah. in order to make it public, if that makes sense. Right. I honestly felt like I owed him an apology. Yeah. Well, since since um, since you're praising Doug, let me throw Doug under the bus right now. <laughs> I want to I want to throw Doug under the bus, and I, I don't know if you guys mind hearing this story. And I I told Doug last night that I was going to tell this story. There, there's something that really stood out to me last night, and me and Jermaine Curse were both laughing. We both agreed. Boy, does Doug Baldwin love Pete Carroll. Oh my goodness! What do you I mean, mean by that? What I mean, loves what do you mean him. He loves him. I, he just Doug gets it. Look, Pete. So me and Doug were sitting there talking. Pete walks in, and then right when Pete walks in, you know, Doug's like, you know, it's like you notice someone like, oh, you, you know, you see him, but you know, you still engage in conversation. But anyway, later on, as Pete is kind of over by the step and repeat because folks are over there taking uh, pictures. Mm. Doug comes over and you should see them wrestling with, you know, wrestling with each other, <laughs> grab, you know, touching each other. I'm telling you, Pete loves Doug. He does. And Doug loves Pete. There is a different energy. Like, look, I, look, I've known and seen Pete since, you know, since he's been here. I'm not saying Pete doesn't love everyone because he does. He loves all his guys in different ways. I'm just telling you, there's this really <laughs> great energy. Like, you guys would love it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to post a, you know me. What I'll do take, you think it is that Pete loves about Doug and Doug loves about Pete? So, I think what I think what everybody loves about Doug. Doug has this exterior where, you know, you guys have called it the chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. or you call it the angry Doug. And he has this exterior. It's there, but it's like. Doug's exterior is like a security camera that doesn't work. Right? You hear me out? Like, you got the security camera. Just to warn people. Just to warn people. That's Doug. Because if you really, like, for an example, 
the apology that you did with him. Mm. Instead of him being like, oh, okay, cool, no problem, he says, hey, let's sit down. Yeah. That's Doug. When you get to that part of him, disagreements, argument. like, by the way, Doug and I, we argue all the time, like, like brothers, back and forth. But he genuinely loves people. And I think that Pete Carroll loves that about him. And just the interaction between the two of them, the way they were kind of wrestling a little bit last night, it was a real cool thing. I just love seeing that energy between the two. Mm. And both Jermaine and I were really. It was interesting. uh, When Pete walked in, I didn't see it. Kyle pointed this out to me. He said to, uh, to one of the PR folks who was there, to NASA, he said, hey, where are my guys at? And immediately, you know, NASCAR point. Oh, there's Doug, and there's Joe. and and Pete was just right to them. Like he just he wanted to see his guys, and there's there's no doubt that there's a connection there that's just impossible to break. Two hundred six just nailed it. Two hundred six. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. You absolutely nailed it. Doug Baldwin is Roy Kent. Hmm. Phenomenal. That is exactly wow. Doug Baldwin. He is Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. I can see that. No question. That about makes it. sense. Right. Doug, you ain't mad, bro. That dude, Doug is a very loving person, which is the reason why he's getting ready to open up his community center. Mm. And when he comes to that, there's going to be so much love that's centered around that. So anyway, I, and I also think it is cool, like your discussion that you have with him and the fact that he says, hey, let's sit down. Yeah. Like that lets you know, like someone that tells you, Mike, like, hey, let's sit down. That lets you know that he's willing his, to listen. Well, no, that lets you know that he wasn't really that mad at you. Mm. Like, I mean, how many of you guys have been really mad at someone and there's that awkward in the very beginning, like, oh, I'm mad at you, you mad at me. Oh, hey, I just wanted to come and apologize. I mean, I had Richard Sherman come on the show and he seemed to actually be mad at me. That's the thing. <laughs> the thing is, here's the crazy thing about all that. What? what? I, Doug had every reason to be mad at me. For the life of me, I don't even know why Sherman was mad at me. I don't even think I ever said anything about the guy. So who the heck knows? I don't know. Whatever he's mad about, I'm sure one day he'll let me know. Or yeah. I'll hear about uh, it from Doug, somebody Doug else. Being Roy, I'm going to have to write about that. He is kind of Roy Kent. He's Roy That's Kent. That's a really good call. I, I just did. Has Doug seen that, do you think? I'm going to have to ask You're going to have to show him nah, at the very least. He ain't watched Taylor Lasso. You sure? Nah. Because isn't he a big, what was Stacy talking to him about for a long time? He's like a big uh, uh, Harry, Potter, Harry guy. Potter guy. Yeah, well, last night he was talking about, he's, talk, he's watching some show All right, you know, that's Peacock. never going too deep. All right, let me, let me see, well, we only have a couple minutes left before we have to, you know, move along here. And Stacy's going to come in, and then we got some did open you know, phone lines at 930. Know, did you know Chuck D named Busta Rhymes and gave him his name? And do you guys know where Chuck D got the name Busta Rhymes from? Look it up, Justin. There used to be a former football player by the name of Buster Rhymes. Wow. George Buster Rhymes. George Buster Rhymes. CFL ended. I was today years old when I found that out. Isn't it weird when that, like, there used to be an NFL player named Keena Turner. Do you remember that guy? Played for the Niners in the 80s? I don't. Early 90s. His name was Keena Turner. It's the strangest darn thing. There's a professional baseball player named Evan Longoria and an actress named Ava Longoria. Yeah. They're one letter apart. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, I didn't know that. So, there was a – maybe I have heard of that. So, there was a Buster Rhymes and Chuck D just started calling him Buster Rhymes? Well, no. Well, Chuck D – I just saw this interview this morning. Uh, Chuck D basically said to Buster Rhymes, he was like, look, there's a million rappers out here. Yeah. You got a lot of energy when you rhyme. Yes. We got to change your name. How about this? You you, you remind me of a former – how about we're going to call you Buster Rhymes? Awesome. Done. Done. Yeah, sold. <laughs> was that when he was in, like, well, so was he LONS in at that point? Yeah, leaders of the new school. Was he Buster Rhymes? Yeah, yes, he was. Yeah. 
Oh, that's good, by the way. There's like there's they have some good stuff. We we played it on uh, ranked not that long ago, right? We played uh, just another case of the PTA. Anyway, uh, so that's good. And what was it? We heard more rap news this morning. What did you tell us, Maura? Oh, did yeah. you know I, this, G? I just saw this recently. Maybe a lot of people know, but I didn't know that uh, Jay Z actually wrote "Still Dre" for Snoop Dogg and Dre. Did not know that. I, and Snoop Dogg went on uh, like the breakfast show and, breakfast and admitted it. Yeah. It's like, mm. it was just like, oh, yeah, he just wrote it. I had no idea. Yeah, there's another one. There's literally a professional baseball player and a professional football player, both named Hunter Renfro, spelled differently. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if your name is Hunter Renfro, there's a good chance you're going to end up as a, as a professional athlete? That's bizarre to me. All right. Well, I had other stuff to talk to you about. Now I don't know that we're going to have time for any of that. <laughs> well, I got I got one last thing to All say. All right, you whatever else you got. I got. Look, Mike Salk is easy to dislike and really hard to love. But when you love him, when you love him, you can't stop. And all of the reasons why you used to dislike him, you ignore them. That's about my best summary of Mike Salk. <laughs> so let me see if I understand. Yeah. Easy to dislike. Oh, so easy. There's somebody on the text line right now that's going to text in and be like, <laughs> yes, I dislike this dude very much. But you don't leave because he's really good at radio. But then you get to kind of know him a little bit and you're just like, ah. because, because here's the thing. You know he gets emotional about the Mariners, right? Like even though he does this as a job, like all of us, we all have a job. But Mike lets his emotions with baseball and emotions with Mariners, it really pops through. So when you hear him get angry, that's a real anger. Like, most of us go and collect a paycheck every two weeks. Mike Salk really loses sleep at night when the Mariners don't do well. Am I right? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not commenting on any of this. All I've said is what I've said to you in the past, which is that I'm not a good enough actor to fake it. So this is just sort of who I am. I'm not good enough at acting to pretend when I'm on the air. This is who I am. But he has has a big heart, Uh. though. You know what I mean? When he loves you back. You know what I mean? That's that's how it is. That's why. So people always maybe ask one me, day you'll find out what people, that's like. People <laughs> people always ask me when I'm out and about like, hey, I hear you on oh, on Mike on Brock and Salk. Is he really like that? I'm like, yep. He's literally exactly <laughs> like that. Like you hear on the radio. All right. Goodbye, G. So was G for the record. Great job last night. You were phenomenal, and KJ did a great job was as it, well. Was it as good as the other? Auctioners? I mean, it was good. It's not the best I've ever heard, but it was. I mean, it was good. I mean, it's the best like you know nine to noon show that I've heard. Yeah, I mean, it was for that, it was really good. Yeah, I love you, man. G was awesome. Go listen to G and Ursula, my favorite, over uh, on our sister station, 97.3 Cairo News Radio. We'll be back with another of my favorites, Stacey Rost, and then your phone calls, and then we'll be done with this week. Thank God. It's Brock and Sox, Seattle Sports on 710.